The Teach Middle East podcast is brought to you by Schoolfinder.ae. Schoolfinder.ae is a comprehensive schools directory serving the United Arab Emirates. Is your school a member? Go to Schoolfinder.ae to find out more. Now, enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. My name is Lisa Grace, and welcome back to the Teach Middle East podcast. Today, I have the honor of talking with Ian College. I've known Ian for several years now. He is the Director of Education for Talim, and he oversees two schools currently and does several other things within the group. He's been around this part of the world for quite a while, and his work at Raha precedes him. So today we're talking to him about how to develop a positive school culture. You are listening to the Teach Middle East podcast, connecting, developing, and empowering educators. What does a positive school culture look like? Because you might have seen the hashtag on social media, Epic Raha. You might have seen lots of people who work there talk about, you know, what it's like to work there. Students are quite happy to go there. And so I'm curious as to how do you develop a culture that most people are happy in? Because there's never a culture that everybody is happy in and you can't please everybody. We are fully aware of that and there's no perfect school. But that said, welcome Ian. Nice to talk to you, Lisa. How are you? I'm very, very well. It's so good to be on this chat with you. So with all your experience, Ian, and the many, many facets of education that you dip your fingers into, what does a positive school culture look like? Um, I mean, we could talk for a long, long time. There's so many things, but I think ultimately it's about happiness, care, trust, mutual respect, great ethical values, and just being good to one another and treat each other as, as, as human beings and, and, and creating a community of, of, of positivity. And I keep going back to support and care. I mean, that means everything, looking out for each other. I love what you said earlier about no school's perfect and no school fits everyone. You're completely right. Different people will have different views and different expectations of schools. And I think for me, what that means then as a school leader is you've got to be absolutely honest with people. And honesty and integrity and, and the ethical values around that are essential. If we've got parents who come to us and they want X, and we don't provide X, we tell them. We just say, look, that's not what we do. That's not how we do it. That's not the sort of school we are. But why don't you try this one? Why don't you try that one? We, we could be a tough selling school. You know, we could try and sort of say, no, yes, of course, of course, and maybe make it up or maybe sort of uh, try and work it in later. But I mean, we're in a very fortunate position at Raha where we're heavily oversubscribed. So I suppose some leaders might say, you know, we, we need to get them in. But, you know, we're in a fortunate position where we where we can tell people the truth and be honest with them. And I think it all starts with that honesty because then you create that culture of just, just mutual respect and, and, and credibility as well. And it's interesting, you, you're talking about our hashtag being Epic Raha. We also have another hashtag called Beyond Raha. And Beyond Raha is all about continually looking ahead, continually looking forward, never standing still, never resting on our laurels. And there's continual change. There is no such thing as perfection. It doesn't exist. We make mistakes. We get things wrong. We could do things better. No school in the world can say otherwise. And if you're honest about that and true to yourself and constantly improving and looking beyond where you're at, that positivity and that culture 
becomes sort of self-perpetuating in we're part of a continual journey of improvement, which should also be fun. You know, fun is at the heart of everything we do. So, yeah, I think that, that for me is what positivity culture is all about, really. Yeah, I want to just tap onto a word you used earlier, and that word is care. How can schools show that they care? Because, you know, I'm sure everyone wants to work in a school that cares. How can they show that? That's a very difficult question. I mean, you could you do anything down from your learning assistants and teachers picking up the phone after a child's had a bad day and saying, you know, your child's had a bad day. And, and you know, rather than saying an email or saying nothing, I think showing that each child matters is very, very important. And that's from the teachers, the learning assistants, even down to the admin staff and, and the school leaders as well. We always try to do things like answer emails in 24 hours, you know, because we want to care about our families. We don't want to ignore you. We might sometimes say, give me a couple of days, but at least we said, give me a couple of days for, for whatever reason that might be. So it's that treating everyone with respect to say, we will communicate with you continually. We will tell you where things are at. We'll tell you what's going good and we'll tell you what's gone wrong and we'll tell you if your your child's had a tough day or they're struggling with this, that and the other. And so it's about, you know, you could talk about health and safety care, but I think it's more about emotional well-being and care and, and that positivity, again, coming back to the, that culture piece. And just getting to know your families and going out on a limb and just going, again, beyond what really you should do as a community is essential. In international schools, we are a family. The staff is a family. None of us are here with our parents normally. And even our families in school, they're not here with their parents. It's just them. They're very tight nucleus with their children. So you provide this entire emotional web and security blanket, really, where you're part of that bigger family and bigger community. And the care all ties in with that and just really sort of wanting to be part of the same team, really. Yeah, I like the fact that you talk about being a family because obviously in a family, you're not going to always agree. You're going to squabble. Some other people's families might be perfect, but my family, we do have a squabble, you know, now and then. But what I like is the fact that when you do have your disagreements, there is the foundation of safety and forgiveness and you can come back together and you can make sure that you get back on even keel, right? So my next question to you is, when you think of the Raha family, your staff, what do you guys do there to keep that family unit close? I think it comes back to what you just said, and it kind of follows on what I said previously. First thing is accept that nothing's perfect. And we don't have to agree with everything. We don't all have to be the same. In fact, I mean, we've got 84 nationalities and 56 mother tongues and 3,000 children. You know, we're a big school, small family, but it doesn't mean we all have to be on the same page with everything. But I think what's really important in all families is that you talk and you communicate and you agree to disagree. And one of the things I I always say to the staff in school and to parents is, you know, we want inclusive decision making. We want leadership from the bottom up. We want people to come up with ideas. We want people to take risks and try new things. We want our families to talk to us about how to improve. But there will be a hundred decisions where maybe it's a homework policy, maybe whatever it might be, that one family or a teacher or whatever say, I don't agree with that. I don't like it. Why have we had to change this? And the big question there is why. So it's not about that it's changed. It's like, yes, it has changed. I'm just going to explain it to you. You still might not like it, but at least I've taken the time to explain to you. And that's the same with the family. I don't agree with you because 
not just fighting and not just shouting. I was talking to a colleague about this the other day and we were talking about, I'm sort of always a glass half full kind of person, but I was saying equally, there's no utopia, there's no perfection, it doesn't, it doesn't exist. And I think we, we had this funny conversation about glass and she said, well, if it doesn't exist, how are you glass half full? And I said, well, the key word in there is it's only half it's never 100% full. It's, right. uh, you know, the, the, there's a gap between, you might get three quarters full and, and if you're there, you're in a pretty good shape, to be honest with you, because there will be things that go wrong. Yeah. So, you know, that family unity is all about accepting where you're at and accepting that you're always trying to improve, but equally, you can't please everyone all the time. And, and that honesty comes, I think, an awful lot into that as well. Yeah, I like that. I like the fact that, you know, you're a glass half full kind of person, but it doesn't mean that you've got everything in the glass. The glass is never full. It's just not half empty. It's half full. I think if we all kind of maintain that positive attitude and that positive outlook and things will feel better than, you know, we often think they are. They're not as bad as we kind of make them look. You know, sometimes schools think they have a positive culture. They really do. And I'm in a fortunate position where I speak to lots of fantastic school leaders (laughs) like yourself, but, and, and you listen to them. So I get two sides. I speak to lots of teachers and I speak to their principals. And then what the principal... What are you about to tell me? I'm telling you now. I know. Raha is the epic (laughs) Raha for real, for real. Most of the teachers I speak to there, I love it. And I've been there for years and years. But on the real... When I speak to lots of the principals, they're like, well, our school has a great culture. Everything is great. When I speak to the teachers, they're like, I can't wait to get out of there. It is toxic as hell. And I'm like, where's the disconnect? Where are the leaders not realizing when the culture within their own schools have gone toxic? So I know this is a hard one, but help me in. How do people, school leaders, identify that the school culture has become toxic? I would hope that you would find that out before it got that bad. I really would. I think any leader who hasn't realized the culture has gone toxic is probably someone that never leaves their office. It's Mm. probably that simple. Or is just a passive listener and doesn't actually take in what's being said because you've got to be out there talking to people and you've got to listen to the grumbles, you've got to listen to the, the challenges and the frustrations because every single school has them, every school has them. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that because, like we said, there's no perfection. But if you don't go out there listening, you can't actually get perspective on it and judge changes and differences. You know, at the end of every term, you can bet your bottom dollar people aren't happy because they're exhausted. That doesn't mean your culture's gone to pieces. That doesn't mean it's toxic. If you start the new term after a holiday like that, and the second week it's like that, and the third week it's like that, and no one's come back feeling refreshed and they're unhappy, then there's alarm bells ringing. But if you've never left your office, you don't even know that that is happening. So being part of that team, that family, with your team, don't sit in your ivory tower and thinking you know what's going on. Get in there, get stuck in and talk to everybody. And the parents as well. I mean... I try not to pay too much attention to social media. Certainly parental WhatsApp groups. You know, our parents are wonderfully supportive. There are moments, uh, so I'm sure in every school they happen. I try not to pay a lot of attention to them, but what I would pay attention to is trends, I suppose. You know, if there's a normal amount of grumbling, which will happen anywhere, 
fine. If it increases and stays increased, then you start to think, okay, what's going on? Maybe pick up the phone, maybe work out what's happening, talk to your parent team, and just dig and dig and dig. So if you let it run, it's likely just to be just worse and worse and worse and every decreasing circus. You have to try and nip it in the bud and not be afraid to nip it in the bud and also not be afraid to accept that things aren't going very well. Yeah, you're kind because you're thinking of the school leader who just sits in their office and not go out. And so they don't realize what's going on within the ranks of their staff. Mm. What about the school leader who has built a culture so much so that everyone fears him or her that when he or she goes around, they get a false sense of positivity. They, you know, they might be a bully. Or they might be such a so-called strong head, not strong as in positively strong, but negatively strong, that when they do ask someone, how's your day? Even if that stuff is dying, they're like, fine, thank you. All is well. Carry on. (laughs) Now, how do we reach those head teachers? The things with people like that, and hopefully there's not too many of them. I'm sure there are one or two. You can't hide for that long because... It will ooze out of the pores of the school quite quickly. And by that, I mean, you might get staff turnover be very high because people are just like, I'm going and you've hit a certain percentage or it's increased year on year. But I think more than that, there's two parts. One is your parental body, listening to, you know, and hearing grumbles from them. But there's also governance of a school. Any school which has a head teacher, as you're saying, or a school principal like that, the governors or the owners of the school, whatever they might be, need to be getting in there to truly understand the culture because it's their school and they're, they're in charge of it ultimately. A principal is just there temporarily just to maintain the place and they come and they go. But the governance or the ownership of the school, it's their responsibility to actually get to know the school and understand what's going on. If they've missed it, it probably all falls apart, to be honest with you, because you know a challenging principal can be a tough tyrant for so long and some schools you need a bit of a tyrant for a little while but not forever but if your governance and your ownership doesn't pick that up and do something about it and um, then you've got real problems yeah i know that those types of leaders they don't last long mm. but the short periods of times in which they are in power so to speak can completely ruin a school yeah so let's say you are stepping into a new school in which the culture has been ruined by one of those principles. And you now have to rebuild that culture of positivity. Where do you start? Where would you tell that brand new principle to start? Well, I think firstly, you're right. A principle, you know, the whole community sets culture, but ultimately it does come down to the leader at the top setting the culture. And it can be destroyed in a heartbeat. To build it back up takes... It's possible it takes several more heartbeats. So I think the first thing I'd say is be patient. But the most important is just listen and just 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 get out there, get your feet on the corridors, get your feet out with the parents, and just first thing is just learn and listen, learn and listen. No preconceived ideas, no judgments. Just listen and listen and listen. Weigh up the different things. Start to make action plans. Start to get some quick fix. Some quick fixes. Yeah, things like, you know, one of, the, one of the biggest problems that parents have with schools is often about poor communication. So if you're a new principal and you've come into a, a toxic place, just send a weekly newsletter out. Put a couple of pictures on. Just some doesn't even have to be the fanciest thing ever. Just to let people know that you, you're caring and you're listening and we're trying to tell you what's going on inside these four walls. 
Equally, send a little newsletter to your staff every week or a thank you for a great week. I saw this happen yesterday in this class and this happened. Not picking people or individuals out, not making anyone any better than anyone else, but just letting them know that you're out there, you're listening, you're understanding. And whilst you're going through this, the last thing you should do as principal is throw the previous one under the bus because that's just really unprofessional. Going around going, oh, yeah, he or she really messed up. Oh, I can see it. That's really not cool at all. And actually... You may be there to say, yeah, they were rubbish, I'll fix this for you. But your credibility, I think, goes down a little bit. So still show respect regardless of what's happened previously, because whether you're a good principal or a bad principal, it's a hard job. And everyone deserves a bit of respect for even having a go at it. So go in there, respect the person that's been there. Don't give them a hard time. Don't throw them under a bus. But listen to others and listen to the way that they think things could improve. Don't agree to everything. Don't accept everything they say. Sometimes... Teachers might say things which just makes their life easier, which isn't always the right thing as well. So just weigh it all up and just chip away at some quick fixes and quick fixes and slowly let people realise that you're listening. And that's really important. And by the way, that's not just about a survey or a questionnaire. They have a place for sure. They Periodically, a good survey can give you a really good statistical analysis of how people are feeling or what the real problems are or what the real strengths are but don't keep doing them because actually it's about being out there and talking to people because that's when you get the depth uh, i said this to someone recently about sort of parental communication how parents feel about school the worst thing you can do is put a suggestions box out in the staff room or anything it's just like so not i've seen schools with them it's so because in the 1980s, it's probably more like 1970s. That's not the way to get suggestions or where's improvement. If you're doing that, it's gone wrong already. You need to get out and talk to people and make sure that they know that you will listen, whatever, however that might be. So, yeah, you turn away slowly at positive culture. It's just about quick fix wins and just listening, listening and trying to adapt things as you go and just being honest, really, really honest. You know, if people say, I want this change, this will be better. If you know that that's actually not going to make it better or that's going to take you two years, tell them and tell them why you're telling them, you know, what the reason are. it's going to take so long where you don't think it's the right thing. If you explain reasons why people will often go, I don't agree with you, but OK, at least he's thought it through. At least he's got reasoning behind it. He hasn't just thrown a rubbish decision away. And that's really important. You are very, very right. And I think what's happened as well is that some schools or there are schools that have come to that point where they are trying to fix their culture. So they're bringing all kinds of initiatives really, really fast. Let's do this and this and this and this. And none of it is really connecting. I think what they really should have done is exactly what you've said. It's just gone around and listened. Because if they had, they would have come up with the one or two things that would have made the main difference in what they're trying to achieve. So I totally agree with you. I think the other thing I'd add to that is, initiatives sort of big initiatives where it's you know you, you shout from the rooftops we're doing this often you're trying to hide behind some sort of whiz bang thing that's going on the best developments and the best way to enhance culture is don't tell people you're doing it don't make a show of yourself don't try and make yourself out to be a hero guess what i've just done i've changed all this for you all aren't you happy now isn't that amazing just, just do it and get on with it. The praise may come quietly, but again, that's cultural because it's about sincerity and integrity and not 
trying to be the big man or the big woman or whatever else and just kind of just doing an honest thing for people without shouting from the rooftops too much about it. It's hard to get that quiet school, though, that does things really well with integrity. A lot of schools, I find, when they do these initiatives, it's all a part of the marketing. It's all of the part of the, you know, look at us, we're doing this, give us the praise and recognition we deserve. And so you almost want to say to them, listen, if you are truly doing this with the staff and the parents and the students at heart, do it. And then let the fruits be praised, not the thing that you're doing. You know what I mean? Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. We will shout from the rooftops about things we do great in schools. No question. (laughs) We're all there on the marketing journey. So don't get me wrong in there. We like getting awards and all that sort of thing. But I think don't shout from the rooftops about being a hero and Mm. about being a one man or a one woman show and I've come to turn this around and change this culture. That's not what you shout about at all. Student success, those sort of things, great. Shout about it, tell people, because it's it's self-perpetuating. But trying to make yourself into some sort of hero is mm. not the thing to shout about at all. That That's not going to support anyone. And eventually you might get short-term wins, but it's not sustainable. Yeah. Let's flip it. Let's flip it the other way. So let's say, that I, I like to provoke, <laughs> let's uh-huh. say there is a school leader who wants to create this positive school culture and that's all they're so focused on that that they're becoming a yes man or a yes woman. Every little thing, they want to please all the staff members and they want to make everybody happy, which is impossible, by the way. But, you know, they've gone along that vein. What advice would you give to them to kind of balance the two? Because standards are there to be met and you can't neglect standards just because you want to have this positive culture. Yeah, that's a brilliant question, actually, because just making a school nice, let's say, and pleasing everybody, and of course you can have a a smaller timetable, of course you can take this afternoon off to do this, and all those things, you know, there's nothing wrong with being good to people and looking after them where it's appropriate. I think there's two main answers to that. One, it's about being fair. So everyone gets treated similarly. So you don't keep treating one person one way, one person another way. But equally, a great teacher wants to work hard. A great teacher wants to better themselves. A great teacher understands you can't be a homeroom teacher but have a 50% timetable. Because schools which have lots of, let's say, fat in the system where they've got so well staffed, they can give people loads and loads and loads of free time, they're actually not very successful. People like to be busy. People want to work hard. I mean, don't get me wrong, you get to the end of the term and everyone's moaning about, I never get any time off, I've got to mark all these books, I've got all these assessments. Fine, but name a school, in, a successful school in the world which isn't like that. We all have a moan and a grumble about being tired sometimes. But it's about getting that balance. It's not pushing people over the edge. But equally, you don't want people there twiddling their thumbs up because they won't be productive and they'll just get lazy and, like I say, put that fat in the system, which is no good to anyone. So being nice and giving everyone this this what feels like a lovely fix to make their lives easier. Your great teachers know what it's like to work hard. They know what it's like to to be appraised and to have performance management, say you need to enhance this or look at this, whatever. Great teachers will do that. And those are the people you want in your school. People who want to just sit around twiddling their thumbs and have an easy life, they're not the sort of people you want anyway. 
Yeah, that is a brilliant answer, actually. I know that we talk a lot about well-being and about creating positive school cultures. And I wonder sometimes if there isn't like a lazy teacher's loophole in there somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm so sorry. I know lots of teachers are going to cancel me right now. But when I was a a school leader, I always wondered when you are so hell-bent on, you know, trying to get everyone happy and you can get a lazy teacher's loophole where they find every excuse to do less and less. And, you know, you're trying not to make anyone unhappy while creating a nice cushy situation for somebody who isn't willing to work hard in the first place. So that was a brilliant, brilliant answer. Culture then will be difficult because the teacher who's enjoying has their smaller timetable and gets lazy, does the bare minimum. There will be other teachers who may have the same timetable. Actually, they bust a gut doing other things. They're going to add this and they're going to add that and add that and they work harder. Then you get resentment and then the culture's gone anyway because that's kind of, you know, getting everyone on the same page, getting everyone working, not hard enough to kill themselves or hard enough to feel tired at the end of the day, but knowing they've done a good thing is really, really important. And again, there's no perfection. There is no team which works perfectly like that. And, you know, people change and there are always different levels of energy and commitment in any school. But at least getting that, expectation that no we do all work hard we'll we'll, we'll look after you but the job is the job it's not easy yeah I think that's a very good place to end this segment the job is the job it's not easy but we definitely want people to work hard and get to their stretch limit not overstretch but their stretch limit where they have a lot of fun along the way enjoy yourself yeah it's, it's the most wonderful career in the world you know I think even in a principal I uh you know, you have really tough days and challenging days and stressful days. And if I'm having the worst ever, I will just leave my office and I'll go and read a story to the kids and just remember where it all began. And that's all I need. It's like my, my, my tonic. Yeah? And it's wonderful because we're very lucky and privileged to be in the jobs we're in, albeit as exhausted we are ever at the end of every term. Yeah, brilliant. Here's my last question for you. I ask this of all my school leaders when I talk to them. What is your greatest wish for education? going forward oh gosh honestly that those children who are from deprived countries and deprived areas get the same access and I would love to think that the pandemic and going distance learning and online learning is the impetus to ensure a low-cost initiative to get kids who aren't in school or go to schools with the basics to get them the same level of potential teams-based, video-based education that other children can get in the rest of the world. You're never going to marry it up completely. You're not. There are different levels of wealth and high levels of poverty around the world. But look at what we're doing now. You could be anywhere. I could be anywhere. And we're just giving a little bit of our time. Um, And as long as there's internet access, the great teachers are all around the world and even a child who doesn't go to school is still great and has a talent and has potential. So if we can't use this as the impetus to move forward and provide some low cost or free access to those kids who get no education, then I think humanity's missed a trick. Yeah, you're so right. Wow, that is a great wish. Thank you, Ian. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with me. Thank you. It's lovely to talk to you again. Thank you for listening to the Teach Middle East podcast. Visit our website, teachmiddleeast.com, and follow us on social media. The links are in the show notes.